Okay, good evening, Rabbi Isai. Good evening, gentlemen. And uh, welcome back, Ron. Big shout-out to welcome back, Ron. Also, welcome back, uh, Rabbeinu Shmuel. We've also been on vacation. It's been a while since we've seen him. Anyway, lovely having everyone with us tonight, our live audience. And we'd be remiss if we didn't give a shout-out to Yosef Aryeh, who's been gone for a few days in our good old DAC. <coughs> and everyone out there in uh, Zoom space and WhatsApp lands. And then the end of uh, it's the end of another amazing... <coughs> Amazing, Baruch Hashem, productive and uh, action-packed week. Action-packed week, and we arrive yet again another Thursday night, another challenge, another Chumash and challenge get together. And this week, the Chumash that we're discussing is the parsha of Baaloisecha. Here we're already up to Baaloisecha. Nerzel, there's still one week ahead of us. Nerzel, this week is Shalach, but here it's Baaloisecha, and it's interesting Baaloisecha and Shalach. Two parishes kind of back-to-back that uh, two big parshias there in the back at the ranch in, in the Reber annals. We have two bar mitzvahs here back-to-back. Baalaisacha was David Reber and uh, Shlach next week, which is this week in Eretz Yisrael, that was Shlami Reber. So that's pretty big. That's a shout-out then to uh, David Reber and Shlami Reber wherever they happen to be right now at this moment in time. But, but Let's go through Baalaisicha right now a little bit. And we're gonna, we're gonna see if we have time to cover a few different ideas here in the parsha. Start maybe with two ideas that kind of tie in with one another. And that's, uh, has to do with Karbatas, has to do with the Beis Amikdash, and has to do maybe even with, with Shevet Levi. Let's see. So we have in the beginning of Baalaisicha the parsha of the Menorah. Um, four psukim that talk about the Menorah. Hashem tells Moshe, Daber al Aaron, Vamarte love, Talk to Aaron and tell him, When you light the menorah, make sure the nerahs go el menorah. Make sure the candles go to the middle. And Aaron did this, he listened, and we get a brief description of what the menorah looked like again. Okay, very nice. Givaldik Baruch Hashem. And as Rashi points out, like this is very out of place. These four psukim are like, are, are, are wildly misplaced. They don't belong here in Bamidbar. They definitely don't belong at the beginning of Bamidbar. Where do we have the Menorah? Where was the Menorah discussed? Truma. In Truma, that's right. Not just last Chumash, two Chumash Magon, Shemais. We had the end of Shemais. It was all about the Mishkan Truma. Excellent. The Menorah was over there. Then we had a whole Vayikra, Taris Kahan, and Vayikra, all about the Karbanis. And then we have Bamidbar, which is about the Book of Numbers. Bamidbar, which is how they camped out in the Midbar. With, with, with the Machinus, with the Pekudim, with the Levim, the Degolim. That's about Midbar all is, is all about, the formation in the desert, the travels in the desert, the travails in the desert, and suddenly smack in the middle of this whole business with the Chanukah Sanasim, the, the 12 Nasim at the end of Nasai, dedicating the, 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 the Mishkan, suddenly we have the Menorah, how to light the Menorah. What's going on over here? It's very out of place, a huge non sequitur. What's up? So Rashi says that the reason the Menorah is here is was, it comes as a consolation to Aaron, a Nechama. Very famous Rashi, well-known Rashi. Rashi says that Aaron was busy witnessing the Chanukah HaMishkan, the dedication, the inauguration, the consecration of the Mishkan. And Aaron felt bad. Why? Because Shevet after Shevet after Shevet, all 12 Shratim are, rep- are represented. The first 12 days of Nisan. And Aaron and his tribe are not represented. There's no Levi, there's no Koyain. Nobody from Shevet Levi is there to represent the Levim. They don't participate in the Chanukah. Aaron feels very bad. It had nothing to do. Not he, not his tribe. No one was involved in the inauguration, dedication of the Mishkan of the Tabernacle. 
So Rashi says that this is where and why the menorah comes into the parasha. Your lot, your portion will be even greater than theirs. Don't worry, Aaron. Don't be upset. Don't be disappointed. Don't be depressed. Your portion, what you have lying in store for you is greater than theirs. You're going to like the menorah. That's why we have the menorah here and that's why we have it right after the whole parish of the Chanukah Sanasim. And it's a pella. It still doesn't make any sense. How is this a consolation for Aaron? Why is this a consolation for the fact that he wasn't involved in the Karbanis? The Karbanis were, what? The first 12 days of the temple. It was the kickoff. It was the grand opening ceremony and party and ball and parade. And tribe after tribe for the first 12 days brought huge packages of Karbanis to dedicate and consecrate and kick off the Mishkan the right way and Aaron still was not involved. Oh, so what's Aaron going to do? He's going to light the menorah every day. They're very nice. Okay, it's beautiful. It's amazing he's going to light the menorah every day. But how is that a consolation for not having been involved in the Chanukah? He's still not involved in the Chanukah. He's still not involved in the dedication. Still has nothing to do with the dedication. Why is this a consolation for that? Why is this making up for that? Why is it a compensation? The second question is, what's the Shachal G'dayl Mishalahem? Yours is greater than theirs. Yours is even greater than this. What you're going to do is even greater than what they, what, what they did. Why is this great? It's different. They did one thing, you're doing something else. What you're doing, they didn't do what they did. They're, they're doing, you didn't do. Why, why is this great? These are two questions. Everybody hear the questions? Why is this a consolation at all? What does it have to do with the, with the Karbanis? And why, what, what's the Shachah Gedailu Mishalahem? What you're doing, the Menorah, is even greater than the Karbanis and the Nassim brought. Why is it greater? In what way is it greater? So there's an amazing idea going on. Let's try to explore that together. The idea is like this. It's Hitaka. He was not involved in the Karbanis. And what the Nasim did for the first 12 days of Nisan, Aleph through Yudbeis, they inaugurated, consecrated, they were mechanich the Mishkan with packages, huge, beautiful packages of Karbanis. And that's how they, they, they dedicated the, the temple. Both Chalants, Aaronson, got rave reviews as Chalants. Next week I'm going to let the Chalants give the shear. And I'm, I'm going to listen in. This Chalants is an amazing Chalants. Yeah. And there's a reason we call it the Chumash and Shalant Shir. We call it the Shalant Shir. Shalant and Chumash Shir. Anyway, okay, let's get, let's get back to what's going on over here. So, Aaron Taka was not involved in what the Nasim did. He didn't bring any Karbanis. And that's what they all did. Every day they brought Karbanis. Karbanai Karbanis. We can all learn these Pesukim all by heart. We've heard them so many times. We hear them. We hear them Nisan. We hear them Hanukkah. We hear them Parshas Nasai. We all know these Pesukim. They're coming out of our nostrils, these Pesukim, right? They all brought Karbanis. It's all about the Karbanis. And Taka Aaron wasn't involved in that. Even afterwards, he wasn't involved in that. He was only lying in the Menorah. But Shalchag Adelmi Shalahem says the Rebbeinu Shalom to Aaron, yours is greater than theirs because where they brought Karbanis, you're doing something that's even greater than Karbanis. You're doing something that's greater than Karbanis. Why is the menorah greater than Karbanis? The menorah is greater than Karbanis? Why is it greater than Karbanis? So what, what's the emphasis? What, what's the really, we say, the kanak, the focal point of the whole parish of the menorah over here? And when the Torah discusses the menorah, like what does it all come down to? We already know about the menorah. As Rabbeinu Shmuel pointed out, we had it in Parshas Truma. We know what the menorah looked like in exact, precise detail. We know how it was lit. What's the, what's the Chiddush? The Chiddush. And what's introduced in the Parsha of the Menorah over here that we don't know yet? There's one idea that's introduced over here in Parsha's Nasli, in Baha'u'llah that we didn't have in Truma, and that's what? El Mul Panea Menorah All the wicks have to go inward. All the wicks have to go inward. Now, when we light our Menorah on Hanukkah, 
We don't put all the wicks in. All the wicks go straight straight up, right? The Shabbos left. When we light the Friday night candles, the wicks go straight up. You always want wicks to go straight up. You may have a candelabra. You want all the wicks to go straight up. The menorah, all the wicks bent inward. And that's what the Torah is saying. El mulpanei menorah, make sure all the candles burn inward, are tilted inward. All the wicks and the flames should go inward. So we look carefully at the parsha. That's really the focus and that's the innovation over here. That's the chiddush of the parsha of the menorah that comes in the beginning of Baalischa that we didn't have yet in parsha's truma. The, the uh, chiddush is the idea of that all the wicks have to go in. All the wicks have to go in. Everybody got that? That we don't know yet from, from Truma. We don't know that in Shemais, we don't know that in Vahikra. That's what's introduced over here in Baal Loisicha. And this is the aspect of the Menorah upon which HaKadosh Baruch was telling Aaron, Shacha, G'dayla Mishalahev. Yours is greater than theirs. The fact that the wicks go inward, the fact that the wicks point in makes Aaron's lats greater than theirs, makes the Menorah greater than Karbanis. Yes, it does. Why? So what's the point of the wicks going inward? If we would have a candelabra at home, we have the Shabbos left at home. And we have our menorah. We make sure the wicks all go up. Why do we make sure the wicks go up, or at least up, if not outward? What are we trying to do when we light a menorah, when we light Shabbos candles? We want to maximize the light. We're maximizing the light, yes? You want to maximize the light, you point the wicks outward. That way, you're spreading the light, you're diffusing it as much as possible. When all the wicks go inward and all the light is there bent in towards the center, you're minimizing the light, not maximizing the light. You're, you're concentrating the, the, the rays of light inward, not outward. You're having less light, not more light. The light is spreading in. It's not going to diffuse outward as much. But it was always a question for me. A light always goes up. It doesn't go sideways. Yes, but again, but we're putting the candles towards the center. Yes, the wicks, wicks go to the center, but lights is always perfect up. Yes. But they're more, they're closer together. They're closer together. They're more. They are. They are. Sure they are. Look. Someone toss me a spoon, please. Two spoons. Look. Certainly, when they're like this, uh, you're right, the flame is going to go up. Yeah. Correct. But, here, you see this? You see what's going on here? <laughs> okay. So the flame is going to go straight up. The point is, though, when I go like this, they're also going to go straight up. They and they're further much further out. And if I do that for every single branch of the menorah, the light is spread further out. Whereas if I go like this, all the light is concentrated inward. That's the difference. That's the difference. Now, how much of a difference does it make? Not a major one, but it makes a difference. And it makes a statement. It makes a statement. We're instructed dafka to put the wicks inward. And you're right. Yes, if I was right, the laws of physics don't. When I go like that, the flame is not going to go that way. It's not going to go that way. It's going to go like this. But the flames are concentrated to the center, as opposed to being spread out. And I, I'm, I'm gaining less light. I'm minimizing the light, not maximizing the light. And we're doing this on purpose to make a statement. And that statement that we're making, says Rashi, is a statement that the menorah makes, and only menorah makes, which is, Loi lo'ira anitzarich. Kosh Baruch Hu is saying, I don't need the light. The light's not here for me. I'm not gaining anything from this. It's not here for me. If the menorah would be there for Kosh Baruch Hu, Hashem wants a nice lichtige house, uh, you know, the, the, the king has to have a nice, light, airy, illuminated palace, 
then we'd maximize the light. The Menorah's statement of I don't need any of this. I don't need it. It's not for me. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't need it. I don't require anything. The, the source of light is me. The source of everything is me. I don't need this light. I don't need the Menorah. So why are we lighting the Menorah if Hashem doesn't need it? It's not for Hashem, it's for us. It's for us to have the opportunity to serve Hashem. The Menorah is the one item in the, in the, Mizbe, in the, in the, in the Mishkan, in the Beis HaMikdosh, that makes a statement that everything that's here is really for us ultimately and not for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a way of us being able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a way of us coming closer. And everything really does it. Even the Karbanis. The Karbanis do that also. A Karban is a way of us being brought closer to Hashem. Yet, the Karban is not necessarily by nature making this statement. Karban has to do with our kavana, our intention, our understanding, and our clarity in what the Karban, the purpose the Karban serves. But a Karban on its own looks very much like what? And can be understood as what? Something that Hashem wants, Hashem demands, and Hashem needs. It's food. It's blood. The dam is going on the Mizbeach. The fats, the choice fats, the limbs are being burnt on the altar. Wine is poured onto the Mizbeach. Flour and oil are burnt up on the Mizbeach. And the Torah even calls it Lechem. The Torah calls it as Korbani Lachmi Li'ishai. It's my Lechem. For all intents and purposes, something that you look at it and it can be interpreted, again, in an incorrect way, but it looks, it has all the trappings of something that looks like a backwards, primitive, barbaric type of a, a concept. We're bringing a sacrifice to God. And this is for God. And this is being accepted by God. And God maybe even needs this, maybe, benefits from this, maybe, wants this. And this is for Hashem. It definitely is not. Of course not. Everything is ultimately for us, but every karban, although it's also for our benefit, it brings us closer to Tekadosh Baruch Hu, it can be perceived very much the opposite. It's not, it's not something that, that is a inherent, natural, inborn statement of the, what the nature of the service of Hakadosh Baruch Hu is. So although it's coming, again, to bring us closer, for us to accept Hakadosh Baruch Hu, for us to subjugate Hashem to ha- ourselves to Hashem, it's an act that inherently does not bespeak of that. The Menorah is the device in the, in the Mishkan, in the Beis HaMikdash, which summarizes everything and draws everything into one statement of Loy Lo'eranitzarach. No, no, no. It's clear. We look at the light of the Menorah. The light of the Menorah illuminates everything that happened in the Mishkan. Everything that happened in the Beis HaMikdash. It provides that or that Loy Lo'eranitzarach. None of this is here for me. It's all here for you and it sheds light, so to speak, on the entire workings of the Mishkan. The entire workings of the Beis HaMikdash. Shalchav G'dayla Mishalahem. Now we understand the answer to both questions. Aaron's portions talk greater than the Nasim's portions because there bring a carbon which brings us close. Carbon is a lushan of karev, lehakrev, lekarev. A carbon brings us close to Hashem by allowing us to be mavatas to Hashem. But it's something that doesn't have to necessarily be perceived that way. You could perceive it otherwise and it could distance you from Hashem. That's the Nasim. And Aaron didn't participate in those carbonas and he felt bad. Hashem said, Your consolation and your compensation will be the menorah. We asked, why is that a consolation? That's a consolation, A, because it's something that is the backbone of all the karbanas. It's the foundation of all the karbanas. And Shalcha Gedolim Yisham, again, it's greater than that, because not only is the foundation, the foundational principle of every karban, it's something that 
speaks of that, naturally, automatically, he makes a statement of loy Tzarech. It's interesting to note that if you make a take, if we, if we if we make a a, a study of what the Nesim brought every day, they brought actually aspects of every act of service in the Beis Hamikdash, except for the Menorah. They didn't touch the Menorah. They didn't bring the Menorah. Meaning, what did the Nesim bring on every single day, which Aaron wasn't involved in? They brought kasev zavs. They brought containers for the dam. They brought animals. They brought even a carbon chatas, which normally you can't just bring a carbon chatas. They brought menachas, shnei malayim soilus, blue levashemen, lemincha. They brought menachas, oil, flour, and they even brought ketiris. They brought ketiris too. Kaf achas malay ketiris. Every aspect of what went on on a daily basis in the Mishkan, they brought. But the one thing they didn't bring was shemen lamor. They didn't bring any oil from the menorah. None of the nesim. Not on any of the days. They brought every single item, every single aspect of Avaida, but but Haloy Dabarhu, they didn't bring anything that had to do with the Menorah. That was left for Aaron Akain. because the Nasiim are able to bring the Korban, the 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 connective tissue that brings the Yid close, that, that allows us to subjugate subject ourselves and, and, and subjugate ourselves to Baruch Hu. But the overall overarching underlying thematic Grand unifier of the Mishkan, what the Mishkan is all about, that was left for Aaron. And that's the Shachal Gadev Hashem, the Menorah, which sums everything up and ties everything together, makes it clear that everything in the base of Mikdash is ultimately, not for Hashem, though it could be, not for us, though it could be perceived otherwise, it, 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 it can't be perceived otherwise when it comes to the Menorah. The Menorah is that testimony that everything is there to bring us closer to Kosh Baruch. So this is, A, why Aaron's portion is indeed greater than theirs, why it's greater, what Rashi means with that, and B, what, what, uh, why it was a compensation and a consolation for not having been involved in the Quran. This is great in the Kabbalah. This is the backbone of all the Quran. And also, we're pointing out, very interestingly, that the Nassim Taka brought something that had to do with every aspect of Avodah, if we look at it, except for the Menorah. They brought nothing to do with the Menorah. Okay, that, that's, this is what's going on in the beginning of the Parsha. This is a nice understanding of the Menorah. Let's take a step forward and, and examine something else, which I think Links the two of these, which links backwards, but this is a self-contained idea on its own. But uh, let's see something else that I think connects to this. Um, our personal information was found on 24 data broker websites. Is that concerning? Uh, we'll tell we'll tell Rebianco see you later. Okay, it was just a message here from Norton. All right. Anyway, um, speaking of which, when you're done, Ron, do you mind passing the water, please? Thank you. Okay. Uh, no, you know, you could just pass it, you could pass it, you could pass it. Thank you very much, Ron. Okay, Shkayich, thank you. Um, so we have the Levim come up again, Shkayich. We have the Levim again. Um, and in Baha'u'llah's Chorach, the Menorah, we have the dedication of the Levim. We get the Levim ready for their service. And we do all kinds of crazy, strange, wacky things with the Levim. <laughs> Levim shaved off all their hair, and they were brought to the Mishkan, and all of Klai Yisrael also came to the Mishkan. And every single Levi, he got shaved from head to toe. And he got waved back and forth. Arnakain picked up every single Levi on, in one day. 22,000 Levim Arnakain picked up. And he waved them. And I don't know if he, all oh, 22,000. Maybe he did. there were 22,000 above the age of 30 days. In one day, Arnakain was able to do this. And Klai Yisrael put their hands on the Levim. They did smicha. Klaisa did smicha on the heads of the Levine. They put their hands like that. 
What? Well, let's say they were all skinny. How many can you pick up? How many, how many can you pick up even if they're all skinny? 22,000? Maybe the babies too, yeah. Even though, how many babies can you pick up in one day? All right. Yeah, whatever. All right, we're not getting to the Shondai's shoes over here, but uh, anyway, um, yeah. Chazal mentioned this as being. Chazal mentioned this as being a nace. Chazal speak this out. This was a miraculous. You know, even if you have the stamina to do it, there's not enough time in the day to pick up twenty-two thousand people. Um, I know we make a quick cheshvan. The sixty seconds in a minute is three hundred sixty seconds in an hour, right? Three thousand six hundred. Sorry, seconds in an hour. An hour is thirty-six thousand. Okay, so I guess if you pick up one per second, you could do it. Yeah. But um, it takes a few seconds to wave them. You snoofer with them. Yeah. Chazal say it was an ace. Chazal do say it was an ace. Okay, so so Arna kind picked up all the levim and he waved them around. Um, and then the, the Kleiso came and put their heads on them. Hands hands on, on the Levim's heads. What's, what's going on? This is Mephush Psukim. I'm, I'm not even reading Rashi. This, this is, these are Psukim over here in the Parsha. This says, excuse me, Chaisasalim Lutarum, Hazelim Echatas, Hevi Rutar, Kobzarum, shave them from head to toe. The craft is a Levim with Nashem, the Samachub and Esos, Yedema Levim, the Hain of Arnas, Levim. It's just Plasik after Plasik over here. You didn't put their hands on their head, and and and, and Aaron Cohen will wave them around. Tanufa, it's heinif. Tanufa, the same lashon you find by Menachos. You go like that. Tanufa. But but anyway, we know it's documented elsewhere. We know it was a real Tanufa because, by the way, we're having coming up. There's going to be a, a number of very gloomy parshias that are around the corner. But the middle of Bamidbar is very sad. A lot of tragedies. One of them is Kairach. So uh, Kairach was a levy. And the Medrash says that the one, his wife was the one that, 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 uh, instigated. that's right, instigated. Very good. His wife was the instigator. And one of the things that his wife, uh, talked into him, talk, was able to, uh, use to, to, uh, put, turn him against Moshe was she said, look, you know, you know, remember what, what happened a couple of months ago? It, it was a setup. Moshe and Aaron had a conspiracy. They wanted to make you look dumb. They got all the leaves together. They made a conspiracy between the two of them. Two of them. They shaved you like a chicken. They waved you around like a chicken, and and uh, the the clients will put their hands on your head like 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 uh like Bucker So 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 his wife, you see this uh, clear from the, that medrash that they were mamish waved around. They're like they did kaparis on you. They picked you up like a chicken. They waved you around like a chicken. That's what that's what she told her uh, husband. They're making fun of you. They're making. They wanted to see what they, it was a practical joke. The whole thing was a big practical joke. Um, but obviously it wasn't a practical joke. It's we have it coming mipia. Uh, uh, Bayre over here. Um, well, what's talk of the chat? What, what's going on with the Levim and the smicha and the tznufa? So it's clear that there are overtone, overtones of a carbon over here. And, and, and Rashi actually speaks us out that the Levim were, were a kind of a carbon. They were a carbon. 
Shevet Levi became a carbon. The only place we find Tanufa is by a carbon. You take a, a mincha and you go like this with a mincha. You, you, you wave it back and forth. Up and up. I mean, with a lulav also happens to be Tanufa. You do the same Tanufa. You buy a mincha that you do by the lulav. Maybe. Mailu Mairi. But they did, you do Tanufa by the menachas. And Smicha, we also find by carbonis. Right? Putting your hands on the head before the slaughter, you find that by a carbon. The Leviim were a carbon. Shevet Levi became a carbon. They were waved like a carbon. Put our hands on them like a carbon. If that's the case, let's take that that um, inside a step further. Who is the owner of the carbon? Every carbon has a bilim. Every carbon has a macker. Someone who's bringing the carbon. So who's bringing the carbon of the levim? Klaisrol. It's Klaisrol's carbon. Because who's the one that does smicha? The bilim, the owner of the carbon. Klaisrol is putting their hands on the heads of the levim. So something very strange is going on. This is Klaisrol's carbon. How is it that Shevet Levi? Is there carbon? What does it mean that they're carbon? That they're, we're, that they're the carbon for Klai Yisrael? And what's the significance of this carbon? And and um, hopefully, if we pursue this further, we, we can take that a step backwards and understand via this, what's the significance of smicha, like the smicha that they're doing? Smicha here and smicha by all carbonists. Yes. They weren't closing to a They were very close to Hashem. This is the best sacrifice for Hashem. Very good. Excellent. So it's very much connected. Very good. It's very, con- as we said, very much connected to the first idea that we were discussing of what a carbon is and what a carbon really is, what it's not. So let's take that. Let's take that further, as uh, Rabbeinu Shmuel is, is 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 pointing at a carbon. This was the shape of Levi was a carbon that Kleisel was bringing. And you bring a carbon for a kapara to get closer. And, and the carbon lets you get closer because the carbon is bridging a gap that you cannot bridge. A yid brings a carbon when a yid has been distanced, when he, when he's far away. And he's not in a state right now to be close to Hashem. He needs something that can bridge that gap that can allow him to become closer to Hashem. He needs something that can bring him closer. That's what the carbon always is. And the carbon essentially is the Jew who has been distanced because he did an Aveira, because he did a, a, a severe Aveira or a minor Aveira, whatever the Aveira may have been, but a, a, a Yid has been distanced, has been sent flying away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He needs to bridge that gap, he needs to bring himself further, back again closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The way to do that is to take something that can be representative of him, something that he, that, that He's choosing to represent himself and being macro of that to Hashem, dedicating to Hashem, that to Hashem, delivering that to Hashem, letting that become one with Hashem. And when I take something that represents me and I let it become with, one with Hashem, that be, makes me come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu once again as well, that reunites me with Hashem. I would really, what we're saying is when I did not bear, I should throw myself on the fire. I should reunite myself with Hashem. But Hashem wants me to live. Hashem wants me to do mitzvahs. Hashem doesn't want me to die. But I have to figure out how to do tshuva, how I can come back to Hashem without dying. So I take something else to represent me. And the choice of what's going to represent me is critical. I choose something pure. I choose something unblemished to represent me. And I say this will 
be brought back to Hashem, this representation of me, and as that unites with Hashem, I reunite with Hashem. This is basically the lambdas of a carbon. So there's really two components that go into every carbon. What's going to represent me and what I'm doing with that representation. Everybody got that? Every carbon is choosing something beautiful to represent me, something pure. And then what am I doing with that representation? I'm being mevatel at Hashem. That is tantamount to me becoming reunited with Hashem. That's why it's so critical. Every carbon can't have a mum. Every carbon has to be blemish-free. It has to be beautiful. You bring the best things to Hashem because I want it to represent me. That's why Hashem got so upset with Kayin. Kayin brought the original carbon, brought his blemished sheep, his 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 great B stuff. He got he brought the great B things. Sugbet. That's what Kayin brought. Chinese. That's right. The, the schlocky stuff, the schlocky imitation stuff. Hashem got very angry. Hashem didn't want that. That's what you're choosing to represent yourself. You don't get what carbon is. Hevel brought his choicest things. He brought his best kartoflach. Hevel. Brought, brought, brought the nicest kartoflach. That represented him in the choicest, beautiful, most beautiful, nicest way. And then I united with God, that reunites me with God. I burn it up to Hashem. Klai Yisrael has been distanced greatly from Hashem ever since the ego. And they need a kapara. Sheva Levi came to facilitate a kapara for the Cheda for the, for the ego, as is explained by the Rishonim over here. Levi redeemed the Bechars. The Bechars were not allowed to work in the Beis HaMikdash anymore because the Egel, but we need a Kapar for the Cheda Egel. Sheva Levi was our carbon that brings us back to Hashem after the Cheda Egel. Chalaisrael is choosing Sheva Levi to represent themselves. A, an amazing idea, but that's what's happening. I choose Sheva Levi as the select choice group within Chalaisrael to represent me. The same way I take my best sheep to represent me on the altar, my best axe, my best, my choicest flower, my best oil, my best wine, I'm taking the best members of Kleisel to represent me in that Sheva Levi. Why? They're the best, unblemished, mum-free, because they didn't do Avaydazara. They didn't participate in the Cheda Egel. They represent me. Hey. And I'm dedicating them to God. They're being drafted into service in the Beis HaMikdash. That's the carbon. They're being given over to Kaddish Baruch Hu to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. That's an amazing idea. That's how Shevet Levi becomes a carbon. They're my representation. Shevet Levi is one level above me. I want them to represent me. They are free of mum. And they are the ones that are going to go work in the Beis HaMikdash now. And before we do that, we do smicha. We'll conclude with a beautiful insight over here. Smicha, we do smicha on the carbon. We do smicha on the carbon, Rabbi Isai. I do smicha on an animal before that comes. And Klaiso did smicha on Shevet Levi. What's the point of smicha? Now, we, we, we really th- have a backwards idea of your smicha. We associate smicha with what? I put my hands on them because I want to give. Like you give your kids a bracha. You put your hands on their head. You give them a bracha. We always associate, like, Moshe Rabbeinu puts his hands on Yeshua. He's giving. So I put my hands on the carbon. Smicha. But that's not what smicha with the carbon is. The Gemara says, how do you do smicha? Says the Gemara. Kol I You know how you do a real smicha? Real smicha. This is smicha. This is smicha. This is how they did smicha the base hamikdash, like this. They lean their weight on the animal. The animal's head has to go down to the degree that if the animal, you have to take. If you, it has to be that if you take the animal away, I would collapse. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to fall down. And if I wouldn't be allowed to bring a carbon, that would be called meila. That's called meila. I'm using it to support myself. The animal has to support my weight. This is real smicha. This is real smicha. And that's what Kleisol did to Shevet Levi as well. They leaned themselves. Kol koichai. Their weight was supported by Shevet Levi. This is what real smicha is. What's going on with smicha? What an amazing insight into Karbanis and to Shevet Levi and to smicha in general. It has to be kol koichai. It has to support me because what I'm saying is this supports me. 
this is my support system. This is my representation. This is what is letting me come back to Hashem because I'm choosing this to represent me. I'm choosing this. I'm spending $2,000 on this. This unble- pure, unblemished, beautiful specimen. No, no. You got to lose some weight before you bring the carbon. Exercise. Lose, burn off some calories. That doesn't make it a blemish. Only if you break its neck. No, but then anyway, it's a trade flow. So you know have a blemish. So don't... It's not called a blemish. It's not called a blemish. Supporting my weight's not called a blemish. It's not a move. It's not a move. It's not a move. Anyway, so what you're saying to, with the asmichas, this is supporting me. This is keeping me going. I'm using this to represent myself. I'm giving this to Hashem. This is supporting me. This keeps me going. Kleiso is saying, Sheva Levi keeps us going. Sheva Levi. The fact that we can keep, give Sheva Levi over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and they can represent us. They can be there instead of us. So we're choosing that they should be our representatives. They're our support system. So it gives us a little bit newfound appreciation for Sheva Levi. It's true that we only give Levi and Aliyah first. We're only chayv to be Mechav Levi with the Zakayim. That's true. But we still, you know, till, till today, there's an Indian to give a shave, to give a lady, um, Meiser, Meiser In Eretz Yisrael, there's a whole to do about this. They separate, you have to separate Meiser Rishon. You give it to a lady, you don't give it to a lady. No, there's a whole discussion about this in the Paiskin, but it's definitely nice to give. And, and Meiser Shani, Meiser Rishon rather, you're supposed to give to a lady. But lady, the whole entire shave of lady is our is our, the, 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 our original support system, what kept Kleistral and keeps Kleistral until today, supported, thriving, and alive and kicking after the Cheda Egel, the fact that we take them as our representative. So what's our mindset? When we look at Sheva Levi, this is an unblemished, unblemished tribe, a beautiful group of people that didn't do Avedis Zara, I want them to represent me. I want a lady. Next time we give a lady and Ali and Shul, what we're saying is, this is a lady that represents me as the Yisrael. This is the guy that I look up to. He didn't do Avedah Zara. His ancestors didn't do Avedah Zara, and I choose him to represent me. That's my support system. That's my smicha, and that keeps us going. Um, to, 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 as a, as a, a kapar for, for Avedah Zara, yeah. That's, that's a different shmuz, a different discussion. Yeah, Reb is asking an excellent question. Okay, that, that's that. That's the end of that piece, really. So again, the new fan of people, when you look at a Sheva Levi saying, you represent me, I want you, an unblemished you to represent me, someone who's into Avodah Zarah, I all the, you, you're the one that I want to send you as my agent forward. I want to send you to the base of Mikdash. Reb Ruben is asking, no, we shaved Sheva Levi because uh, Rash is something crazy. Why did they shave them? Because Shevet Lady came to Tafet Chedei Eagle. The Eagle is called Avodah Zarah. Someone who does Avodah Zarah is bringing the sacrifice to the dead. And Mitzrayim is called dead. And Mitzrayim has to get shaved, so they shaved the Shevet Lady. So we go from Avodah Zarah to death to Taras to shaving to Lady. So that's why you shave them because of this. You shave twenty-two thousand people. What's the pshat? That's, that's so extreme. So so you know, like five, four, five steps you have to go to get there. Teretz is that's how far the taint of Avodah Zarah goes. That's how far then we have to track Avodah Zarah, get it to the core, up to uproot Avodah Zarah, the taint of Avodah Zarah, the precast all, the hefkeres of Avodah Zarah, that's how far down you have to track it to get rid of it, even if it requires me going four or five steps. Okay, thank you all for joining. We're going to have a wonderful Shabbos.